All right. Welcome to this week's episode of Football Neophytes podcast. We have Chris here. Hey, what's up, guys? Kyle, our neophyte. What's going on? What's up? Hey, this week we are going to be looking at what I would consider one of the most shocking nil-nil draws of my short Premier League fandom. We're going to talk a little bit about Diogo Jota, Burnley getting on the board, uh, some mid-table blah, some surprise teams just chilling there in the middle of the table. We're going to look at uh, who's a pretender at the top of the table. Of course, we'll talk Wolves. We'll talk uh, some Manchester United. Kyle is going to give us, we're, we're about a quarter of the way through the season and Kyle is going to give us some tiers where, where do teams stand in uh, his golden boot race to the team he's going to choose Uh short little glimpse into American watch. We had some red cards, um, lock it in. We've got it all. Gentlemen, I want to start by talking about Arsenal leads. <laughs> Arsenal, long time, long time listeners will know that Arsenal is the team my son chose. My my eight-year-old boy chose Arsenal at the end of uh the season. I chose Wolves 18, uh 18-19 season. And I told him before the match started, I said, Titus, I think this match. I think Arsenal is going to win five to two. (laughs) That's my prediction on this game. Five to two. You have two teams that play all offense and and no defense. And it was nil, nil. I don't, I don't, I like, there's nothing there. I have no comprehension for how, how that game is nil, nil. Kyle, did you watch it? I saw most, or I saw some of the game and I've seen a lot of leads this year it is incredibly shocking that it was nil-nil. I think that Leeds is probably shocked it was nil-nil. Yeah. There were opportunities for sure, but just no one could capitalize. And, you know, I I think it's not that surprising, perhaps, that Leeds didn't score against Arsenal. Uh, You know, they're still trying to find their footing in the Premier League, and Arsenal's a, a decent squad, but the fact that they were not able to give up any goals as well. Um, they got to be pretty happy with that to come away with the point. So, um, but very shocking. Yeah. I mean, Leeds had 25 shots, 25, 25 shots, but only four on target. Four on target is the big, is the bigger stat. Arsenal with nine shots, two on target. And we have to mention, right. We had a red card, uh, Nicholas Pepe getting a red card in the 51st minute. And that, that ultimately does really change the the game flow because you've got a team when they go down to 10 men, uh, they got to play a more defensive style, which really doesn't help leads because they're, they're counterattacking and pressing style as well. So if you've got Arsenal sitting back more, that's leads to more shots, right? Because leads going to have more possession theoretically, which they did. They had almost two thirds possession in that game. And so, uh, you know, the stats like lined up for uh, a team playing with a man up with a man advantage, but I just, I, I couldn't believe it. And um, the red 25, card. And the- 25 shots <laughs> uh, and only four on goal. Sounds like how I play FIFA 21. <laughs> totally. You just, you just keep pressing circle until hopefully one goes in at some point, but. Yeah. That was, uh, it was Nate at the bar in his 20s. 25 shots, four on target. <laughs> four on target. The first four. And <laughs> yeah. then after that, uh, who knows where they went. Yeah, so I just that, – that, that was a surprising, surprising result uh, to me. Both those teams hanging out kind of mid-table. Leads after a, after a hot start has kind of regressed a little bit. I got a chance to watch the Leeds United documentary over the international break. It was 
really great to watch, especially with a lot of those players uh, still on the team. Yeah. Uh, fun to be able to kind of get some backstory with all those documentaries. And I, and I understand why they don't do it. I wish we got a lot more like the behind scenes player banter. Like that's kind of those, are, that's always like the stuff that's the most, most interesting, most intriguing to me to see what are these guys doing when they're not sure. on the pitch, you know? Well, that whole, the whole backstory with Daniel James from the first season of it. Yeah. Like I had no idea that happened. I just knew he was on Manchester United by the time I chose them. Yeah. And I was like, wait, he's there at the facility, like wanting to sign his contract training with the squad. And then they're like, yeah, it didn't go through. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. And you see, I mean, that in all the documentaries I've watched, so both all or nothings with man city and Tottenham, um, the transfer deadline days become some of the most interesting. And I don't remember if I was talking to you guys, I might've been talking to a different friend, but um, I was saying, I would love, I would love an entire, it probably doesn't need to be a series documentary, but I would love like an hour and a half long documentary all about like a transfer deadline how how do they make their decisions how do they go about the process of identifying players that they want to go after how do they go about because that's what i found interesting about the leads i don't know if it was the season two where they kind of did the recap is like only a couple episodes but where they where they talked about the fact that they had to sell players to like the owner couldn't pump any more money into the club or else they were going to be in breach of financial fair play and I'd yeah, love to see like a full hour and a half, two hour documentary all about kind of a money ball style or some sort of like some team's unique take, take on, on transfers. If any of our listeners know of any of those that are out there, we'd love to love to hear it and, and see it. I'm willing to bet it doesn't exist. I, I think about it from the American side though, like, we'll never see that kind of a documentary in America on any of our franchises because they wouldn't want either the negative press or the negative things they say about guys they're trying to move to get out there and have it affect like a player's psyche or a player's desire to still stay with the squad that they're already on, you know? I mean, especially in the NBA where you're already in the player empowerment era where it's like, you can't give those guys any more. <laughs> ammunition than they already have themselves so yeah but if you watch the tottenham all or nothing like the whole danny rose saga like that like wasn't very flattering and he's still on the club like he still never transferred um i think he was supposed to go to inter milan i can't remember i think it was inter milan that he wanted to go to they didn't transfer him and he's still on the squad and he's not even suiting up for them so it's a and maybe, maybe the all or nothing was a part of that, but, um, but I think, I don't know if I think kind of what, uh, one of you guys has said about the, the commentators, you know, they're just kind of like, they don't hold anything back. They just call it like they see it. It feels like the British are a bit more like that. And I think you yeah. see that on these clubs as well. And you definitely see it in the documentaries where, not that the players don't have egos, they certainly do, but it's almost like the owners don't care and the play and the managers are willing to like speak more directly. I don't know. I mean, I've only I'm only basing this off a couple of documentaries, but yeah. Huh. It'd be interesting to see that. It would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other uh kind of interesting uh goal or like score line of the weekend is Liverpool three Leicester nil, especially with as many players. I think, I think Liverpool is without six starters. Um, yeah. Obviously uh, Van Dyke's out and uh, Alexander Arnold is out. Um, Sala didn't play. Um, their back line has been decimated and I picked, I picked Leicester to win that match. Um, I thought they would, I thought, just Liverpool being down like that, they wouldn't be able to, to keep it up. And with Leicester playing as well as they have been and Liverpool wins clean sheet three, nothing um, quite surprising. Kind of just spanked them too. I mean, yeah. just, it, it was a, 
it was just as the score read. It was three nothing, no doubt about it. Liverpool controlled that whole match. Yeah, I mean, obviously the own goal uh, starts off the scoring, but um, Diogo Jota becomes the first Liverpool player to score in his first four home matches. I might have um, to take back some of the bad things I said about him. Maybe he really is Lionel Messi. Well, he's he's not Messi, but he is he's he's great. And I like I've been wondering if this is part of his like you know seven he'll score seven goals in like four matches, and then you don't see him for for ten days or ten games or fifteen matches. But again, I think sometimes just a change of a change of venue. And especially when you go to a team like Liverpool where the pressure's off a little bit um, and you've got so many great people um, feeding you the ball and getting you in good position, you're going to have more chances to score. So um, I'm happy for him. It, I, I definitely, there's definitely that twinge of like, Oh, you never want to be on the the bad side of like a transfer. But on the other hand, uh, I loved him when he was, a, when, when he was with wolves, but yeah, uh, setting records over there at Liverpool. Yeah, he's doing good. He looks good out there. Probably is a lot of his. He can just go out and play and have fun again. Yeah, not have to feel the pressure of needing to score. Yeah. You see that with Jimenez this year a lot. Jimenez, his touches seem seem to be a bit uh, heavy. He's not taken as he had multiple times today where where in the past he's made great touches on the ball and been able to put shots on. He just he struggled to do that today. The one great strike he did have was off the post and uh, Neto was able to put it away for to to for the equalizing goal. But but Jimenez hasn't looked as dominating self. And but that's that's kind of the wolf situation all the way around right now, like. 60 minutes of boring, bad football followed by 30 minutes of super exciting, lots of possession, lots of attacking presence. I mean, Wolves put nine shots on goal today. It felt like, felt like they were hitting the keepers hands and shoulders and bodies all match. So they were getting in scoring position, but um, it really wasn't until the last 30 minutes of that match that they, they looked like they were able to, to do anything and be exciting at all. Um, Southampton keeps looking good. I think they're in, they're in fifth right now. So uh, I don't know if they're the real deal or not, but longer you stay in, <laughs> stay in that top position, especially a season like this, where you've got the COVID shortened season, you're going to have the pressure of added fixtures. Um, a lot of the top tier teams are playing in Europe. So they've got extra matches they've got to deal with um i think you know we could see a team or two out of the traditional top six that that pop in there uh by by year's end but of course time will tell on that the other thing i wanted to mention about wolves today is that connor cody's uh streak of 127 straight league appearances ended uh he had come in contact with someone with covid and unfortunately, his quarantine didn't end before this match. He was five short of setting a Wolves record. Um, and his presence was missed today. The goal, the goal Southampton scored, um, you, you can never know for certain, right? But there was a defensive lapse and you would lead it would lead you to believe that that he would have been back there at least to make a better a better stop on the ball. The other thing that's interesting again without without crowd noise is one of the things that I've learned the most about Wolves is Connor Cody is yelling the entire match. He is he's the captain and he is directing that team and is his presence was was notably notably absent in in the match. You saw Patricio making kind of long kicks from the back, which is not what he typically does. That's what Connor Cody would typically do. And so um, definitely saw, and I think his presence was certainly missed, missed today. So um, a bummer for him personally to lose that, that streak. And then also um, I think just a bummer for the match itself. I think he would have made a, a big difference and certainly, potentially could have helped wolves get three points there, but, but we'll take the one point. 
Well, Nate, do you know who he was chasing in that streak? Oh, for Wolves? Well, do you know for the most consecutive league appearances in the Premier League? Do you know oh, who holds that? It is American, an American, Brad Friedel, who was a goalkeeper from 2004 to 2012, courtesy of Google. That's not courtesy of Kyle Smith, but I will. Uh, I do remember laugh. Brad Friedel. Yep, 310 straight matches for a handful of teams in the Premier League. So, look at America, just on top again. That might be our only America watch for today. <laughs> we had to get it in somewhere. That's we'll true. Talk- well, Anthony Robinson did play this week again. He's become a fixture there for Fulham, which I don't know what that means actually for them. Uh, other than the fact that he's getting, he's getting some good playing time. Uh, no Tim Ream. Tim Ream seems to have been replaced in the back line for, for Fulham, which is probably a good decision for them. Uh, Pulisic still injured, but we've got Zach Steffen. He was on the bench again this week for city at, at goalkeeper and Owen Otisoe on the on the bench not seeing any action for wolves but uh but he was out there so just wait just wait just waiting i will weep tears tears of american joy they'll be shaped like bald eagles rolling down my face (laughs) chris why are you so quiet about um manchester united uh, I don't like to typically rub it in when my team wins and your team doesn't win. So I'm just, you know, it's part of being humble. Okay. <laughs> um, we, we can move on. Yeah. I mean, there, there's honestly, they played a terrible team and there was about five minutes of that game that was worth watching. It went like this. Uh, Bruno got called for a penalty in his own box. VAR overturned it. Four minutes later, handball in the Man United box. Bruno converts penalty, one nothing, game over, move on. You already know how it feels. So um, fire Ole. Let's get a real lineup set up. Let's get our guys playing together with more uh, passion. And uh, let's be the squad that we probably can be. The wins probably – I mean, the wins don't help your case. I mean, obviously a 1-0, a 1-0 victory over a relegation team is not probably what you want to see at home at old Trafford. Right. right. But, well, but, if, but three points are going to keep you there. Right. Yeah. Three, th- three points are going to keep Ole with a job. The three points are great going into the match. It was the winless team from West Brom versus the winless at home team in <laughs> United who was Owen four at old Trafford so far this season and just barely beat the 19th place team on a penalty um, it's bad. It, it seems like it goes from bad to worse every week, and then it's rinse rather, re- rinse rather repeat, and it's bad to worse again the next game they play. So they actually play tomorrow in the uh, Champions League. They play the Turkish team that destroyed them last time they went out there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they play tomorrow. Um, and then, you know, this weekend they've got Southampton, who is up at the top of the table looking pretty good. Um, yeah, but you know, it, I don't know. It's like all things considered, if let's just give them a win for their one game that they didn't play. Like if we give them that win, they're sitting in sixth place. And, yeah. You know, is this, this team that doesn't play well is still where they kind of need to be at this point to not just lose your mind and be like, what the heck? Um, but without, you know, that game being played, you know, they're sitting in 10th. Um, and you just kind of continue just to question what's going on. So I don't know. It's, I guess it depends on the view you want to take on it and where they're sitting right now. Um, you could go half, glass half full and be like, well, if we had played that game, you know, that's probably three points that they could have got and they'd be in sixth place, you know, just a couple points behind um, Leicester and Southampton, you know, within two points of being in third. Um and so if you want to look and be an optimist, you can go that route. I like to be a realist and go, this team's not playing good. They don't look like they're having fun. There's, to me, there's a disconnect from the management style to the players that they actually have. There's a disconnect 
from the manager to the squad that goes out there every week. It's just, I don't know. There's just so much going on that I just don't understand. Like there's guys that just get too much playing time that don't play well. And it just doesn't make any sense, but you know, that's why I'm here and they're over there making a ton of money to do what they do. Well, we're going to talk in a, in a little bit about, uh, who's, who's real, who's a pretender at the top of the table, but I'm curious at the middle of the table. So nine, nine through 13, here are, here are the teams nine through 13. Well, uh, well, actually let's, let's go seven through 13 Villa and three points separate these, these teams, Villa, West Ham, Wolves, Man U, Crystal Palace, Arsenal, and in 13th place, City. Now, to be fair, Villa, Man U, Man City, I'll have a game in hand. But let's just take the, take the table for what it is. Which of these teams is most likely to pull out of, out of this kind of mid-table doldrums? Based on what we've seen so far, let's leave history to the past. Obviously, I think it's easy to say City, but based on what we've seen so far, which of these teams is mo- more most likely to to finish top four? Um, I I mean, if I'm looking at rosters, I have to go with City and United. If I'm just looking at the talent that these clubs have and what's available to them, that has to be the two that you pick. I think where we're sitting right now, it's easier to say which of these teams is going to drop as opposed to which of these teams. I know, but that's not the question I'm asking. I know, I know, because it's so easy for me just to go, well, Aston and West Ham are on their way down. Um, Yeah. But I, I guess if I'm just looking at rosters, I'm looking at talent and I'm looking at, you know, career production and things like that. I have to take United and I have to take city. Yeah. It's not playing out on a weekly basis right now. And the game in hand, obviously, obviously helps a lot, but I I think I probably agree. I don't know if I agree with you on Manchester United, mostly because I'm, I have a very negative view of that, that team. Yeah. You're the antagonist of this pod. It's fine. Of course. But, um, (laughs) I think you got to look at city and, and think that Pep's gonna Pep's gonna turn it around. They have some injuries. Um, De Bruyne, when he, if he's not playing, he's just such a linchpin to that team. If he's not, if he's not playing that hurts them and he's, he, he's missed quite a bit of action so far. So you got to think that, that city city will pull it back, but I mean, they didn't, they didn't look good against Tottenham. Um, so, and De Bruyne played that whole, that whole match. So um, when does Aguero come back? Do we have any idea? I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, yeah. You don't even mention Aguero, um, but I'm not, I'm actually not sure when he comes back. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's a massive piece to be yeah. to come back. Yes, for sure. So let's talk about let's talk about Spurs. Let's talk about uh, Leicester. Let's talk about uh, Liverpool a little bit. Chelsea. Um, these are our these are our top four. I guess we could we've talked Southampton a little bit, but let's let's look at this top four: Spurs, Liverpool, Chelsea, Leicester. I think it's easy for us to maybe disregard Leicester as being, um, you know, a a top four team and probably in the same way as we think man city will move up top four, probably just as easy to think Leicester will fall out, but between Spurs, Liverpool, Chelsea, what do we think? Who's, who's, who's real. Do, do these, all three of these teams, obviously Liverpool has a shot of winning the title again, but with they've had significant injuries. And so leading into this weekend, I thought we'd see a drop off potentially, but, are Spurs the real deal? They've got a seven plus seven goal differential on Liverpool right now. Um, if it comes down to it, you know that could that could decide things in the end. But are Spurs going to win it in in Jose's second season? The second season, Jose Magic. 
it's still so early in the season uh, to be predicting a winner. Um, I would say they passed the eye test right now, for sure. Um, the level that Harry Kane and Son are playing at is really, really high. Um, and as much as I don't want to like the team, I just, I love talent. Like I'm, I'm cool with talent and it's just fun to watch those two guys and the level that they're playing at are, are fun to watch. Um, Harry Kane was amazing again this weekend in that game against city. Um, obviously Liverpool is going to be there and even with their rash of injuries, it hasn't slowed them down. And in fact, it, I think they've actually probably played better since all their injuries. Cause now they don't have anything to lay back on. They got to go out there and play. Um, and, you know, even, even if we go back and we look at Leicester, even if they drop, they're not dropping far because that team still finished in uh, what was it? Fifth or sixth last year. And they were in the top three or four the entire season until the last weekend. Yeah. So yeah. even if that team, even if we say, yeah, they're probably going to drop, where are they going to drop to fifth or sixth? They're going to be there at the end. So um, I think I, if I'm picking my top three, it, it is how it's sitting right now with Tottenham, Liverpool and Chelsea. Um, and I think Tottenham has played the best this year. Yeah. I agree. Kyle, you watched that match though. That was, that was the match you focused on, right? Give us, give us a little rundown of Spurs city. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. I, I, obviously Spurs came away with the three points winning two nothing, but city in a lot of ways dominated that game. They had 66% possession. You know, we talked about how many shots leads got off earlier city got off 22 shots with five, five only five on goal but 22 shots to four for tottenham yeah so they got off a bunch of shots they had 10 corners to none for tottenham so there was a lot of opportunity left out there for city and on the flip side tottenham to their credit capitalized they had two kind of fast break if you will um opportunities and and they capitalized on both of those and so credit to them for sure but I think that the game wasn't nearly you know as the the score makes it look a little bit different than I think how the game actually played out at least in my mind I don't know if that's a stylistic thing do you you guys think that those two teams or maybe City is known for that um what, do you, yeah, what are your City, thoughts on that? City, City, I don't know how many years in a row necessarily, but I do know that City will often lead lead the league in in, in passes, yeah. um, which is a good sign of like possession, of course. Um, yeah, right now they're third, they're third in the league in passes with a game, with a game in hand. So they could easily be in first by playing an extra game um or an extra match so um so that definitely is is a city style um i think they are vulnerable to the counter attack and so yeah. I think that's what you saw i also wonder how much because men scored that goal in like the fifth minute yep those early goals like early goals can often like shape a match right because you're down one so you've got to you may drop especially an important match like this where you know traditionally spurs and you know you'd expect city to take it to spurs so they might have settled back a little more played a bit more defensively uh than they they typically would have but but jose's known for like his second year magic and then imploding in year three so this would be really fun if they win it all this year to watch next year and see (laughs) see what happens but Um, but I agree, Chris, with you, I think Spurs have probably looked top to bottom and this says, I mean, top to bottom, they've looked the best and most consistent out of all the teams. Liverpool obviously had their just miserable loss to, to Villa. Chelsea started off slow. Leicester has slowed down a little bit. And shout out Chelsea. I mean, they haven't had Christian Pulisic all year either. And they're still sitting third only a couple points behind yeah yeah for sure that pick started off looking really bad that i made that they would finish top of <laughs> table but uh, yeah they they're they've been impre- really impressive and kind of like we said like they're deep they're 
their their defense seems to have shored up um and so i think you know they're gonna score they're gonna put pressure on teams um it's their third clean sheet in their last four matches and they only allowed one one uh goal to sheffield so um yeah i think chelsea chelsea's a team to look out for but but i think yeah top to bottom um spurs spurs have looked best over the course of this season so so speaking of the spurs uh you want me to give my rundown yeah give it to us okay so did a deep dive into the spurs this week and you know story goes they were founded in 1882 by a group of schoolboys and their bible class teacher who became the first president and treasurer of the club so definitely humble beginnings and um actually pretty soon after that they became a professional club so kind of really interesting to go back and think about how that all started and kind of fun to read about uh, as i looked on my tier, you know my categories that that i ranked them on start off with infrastructure so owned by a, a couple british billionaires a uh, lot of money behind them right now <clears throat> uh one of the guys was i think valued at nearly five billion dollars so quite a bit of capital behind them which never hurts when you're talking about trying to purchase players and put a competitive team on the field. They also play at a, what I think is a really neat stadium. Uh, one of the things I was just, obviously it's a bigger, right? We're, we talked a little bit last week, I think about the differences between some of the older stadiums, more of like that Wrigley field, have that uh, small town vibe, a lot of character. This is completely different. This yeah. is state of the art the opposite uh, huge right but one thing i would i just really appreciated right for a state-of-the-art type stadium is how much they is how beautiful it was on the outside and so many stadiums that we build here in america are terrible looking they look like warehouses they you know we're you guys live in arizona where the football team plays in arizona it looks like a spaceship i don't a bad a really ugly spaceship uh, and this one just looks really beautiful on the outside. I think that's a, I think that's more common in soccer stadiums from what I've seen. And I think it look it's really neat. And so I just appreciated that. And then, you know, you guys should have been around for last year because it has been such a cluster. They were, they, they delayed the opening of that stadium. Mm. So many times it was a whole, it was a huge mess but but it is you're, you're entering in now and you get to see it yeah like done oh, and I know beautiful it's and beautiful yeah yeah and then last thing on infrastructure right you guys mentioned the name jose or jose 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 and so he he's super interesting right as a neophyte coming in to, learning about him he obviously has a winning past there's a lot of controversy around him too fights general shadiness um just a lot of controversy that follows him a lot of arrogance that comes with him you know one of the stories i read about him chris you might remember this when he was with man U. they asked him if he should if kind of what if he deserved respect right for his career and he just answered them by raising up three fingers totally well, the three championships that he had won, which on one hand, baller move. Uh, on the other hand, pretty arrogant to, to just raise up three fingers, right? And and so very interesting guy. My question for you guys, based on my research of him is, and you've touched on this a little bit, but has he peaked? It, it seemed like, and you're saying maybe the second year thing, so I didn't notice that. But what it seemed like was he had a lot of success, like a winning percentage of almost 70% um, for about a decade there. And then it seemed like it kind of dipped, but maybe that's more to do with his staying power at, at different teams. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, I'm not sure because I haven't been following long enough to know. I mean, I basically started following him as 
Manchester United was imploding. And so I've only kind of seen the back end of his, his, his craziness. So I, I was, I'm a doubter. I don't like the arrogance. I've never really liked him. Uh, he's entertaining. He's a great follow on Instagram. Um, he's, he's a bizarre, like just bizarre and eccentric and, um, but definitely capable of winning. And I, even when he took the Spurs mantle, I thought what an interesting team to take over because yes, they have stars, but really this really Spurs aren't a superstar team. Harry Kane is a, is a star. Don't get me wrong. Like he, and he is remarkable, but, but, but not like, not like a Paul Pogba, like prima donna superstar, just like a great star, you know? And so I was interested to see how he would take a team that, that seemed to be like a bunch of nice guys. And this is what you see in that all or nothing is mm. he's like, you guys are all really nice, but mm-hmm. you got, you basically have to stop being nice, right? <laughs> Punch them in the mouth, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I think we'll see. I mean, they're top of table now. And so his, yeah. it might work. Well, Chris, I, I have a golden boot number in mind <laughs> for their infrastructure, but you know him pretty well. And so I want you to weigh in and, and I, I might go up. I might go down based on your thoughts on. All right. Well, I'm going to be honest. I don't know him well because our first year of recording before we had picked a team was actually the year he got fired at Manchester. Okay. So by the time I picked United, uh, Ole was already hired as their, their manager. So I only know of the stories and the chaos um, from folklore and from Nate. So I know none of it firsthand. I didn't see any of it. I didn't experience any. I didn't have to feel any of it. I've just heard about it. So I am actually not going to be able to help you out. Okay. Thanks for the help. Yeah. But I do love uh, the, the gif or the meme that goes around of him from that all or nothing where he's talking about the guys need to pass better. And he's doing the. I thought that was funny. That is funny. That's a great one. Okay. Well, what's your golden boot number? Yeah. For the golden boots. You know, I think that there's a chance that he's a really good coach and and they could have a really good season, but I, I don't like the area. I don't like that brash of arrogance. Uh, It doesn't, he doesn't sound like he's my type of coach and I'm pretty picky about that. And so I'm going to go with two golden boots for infrastructure. Don't be arrogant. Take away golden boots for that. That's right. Culture. Um, so Tottenham has had, I would say, moderate success as a club over the years. They, they've won a major trophy or what they consider to be a major trophy in six decades in a row from the 50s to the 2000s. But they have really never done that well in the league. So their highest finish is, is second in the 2016 season and their highest finish before that uh, was fifth in 1962. So when it comes to league play, they really haven't had that much success, but on, on, in the other competitions and such, they've had some, so I would say moderately successful in terms of their winning culture, they, and then they're, and then when it comes to culture, their, their nickname and who they are is kind of interesting. So on one hand, it's the Hotspur, you know, is named around this, this, cowboy who um would dig his spurs in and make his horse go faster who's sort of a local legend in tottenham harry hotspur but on the other hand they have this this rooster this cock on their on the soccer ball right which honestly credit to them is one of the coolest logos that i've seen it's a little bit retro a little bit modern it's It's so clean clean. it's It's an awesome awesome logo until you realize it's about cockfighting. And I don't know how PETA has not been on this. Like if this was in America, this would be all of the journalists who have the blue check or all the sports media who have the blue check mark next to their name and are all 
so proud of themselves for getting rid of every name in America that's even a little bit controversial, they would be all over Tottenham Tottenham Hotspur. So I'm going to start the revolution. I'm going to start getting that name changed, and I will not rest until you take away that rooster because I do not condone cockfighting, and I am no longer calling you the Hotspur. You are now just this, the team from Tottenham. The T.O.T., if you the will. To- Tottenham <laughs> football. Tottenham football. You are now the Tottenham football club. It, 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 it's until you change it, and I will get a a – global uh movement behind me did you know michael vick's part owner (laughs) (laughs) that would be amazing i'm gonna get no i'm tweeting michael vick tonight and getting him to to get behind this we need some celebrity firepower and i'm gonna get michael vick to champion this cause with me all right i Um, want to reach out to nash nash is all a, a big tottenham supporter actually Oh yeah. So start with Steve I, Nash. He's got clout. Yeah, me and Steve are tight, so I'll text him too. Um, the lastly on their culture, sorry, this is going a little bit long, but this is interesting too. So their slogan is, "Listen to this: To dare is to do." Yes. We need like one of those mind blown gifts. <laughs> I, I need. I want you to each take a second here and try to explain <laughs> to me what that means. To dare is to do. Kyle, if you just try something, you have done it. <laughs> For having such a backwards, like cockfighting, like that's logo, right. They have the most like new agey uh, slogan. It's amazing. So, anyways, we've spent too much time on this culture. One golden boot. We're coming after you, Tottenham Football Club. I do like your your logo though it's pretty cool but we're gonna take it away all right strikers here's here's some good news for you guys five golden boots for strikers they got a bunch of sick players uh gareth bell harry kane hung sung hung min sun so so they're awesome man they're they're really fun to watch like chris said they are have a ton of talent and it's really fun to, to watch them play kits and sponsorship four golden boots for that Nike. They're sponsored by they're sponsored by Nike. The AIA um, sponsor is not that bad. It doesn't look bad at all on the on the the kits. And their their color combination is pretty solid. They're they're really really sharp kits, and the sponsorship isn't bad. So four stars for that. That brings me to boys yes. the debut of the Golden Boot Tears. We're a quarter so way through. The, we're a quarter way through the season, more or less. And Kyle has given us some tears. He's given us a little update of where he's at. This doesn't mean right. What you you're, this doesn't mean you're necessarily picking from any particular tier. You're just tearing no. them right now. Listen, yeah, the golden boots. Yes. We're yes. gonna hold we're on. Gonna... Hold on. We have breaking news. We have breaking news, and I knew th- I I just had this feeling this was gonna happen breaking news chris is was winning by one point in his fantasy league tampa bay was driving he has tom brady as his starter with like two minutes left i knew it i just had this feeling brady just threw a pick so he's now losing by one point in his fantasy uh football that's that's heartbreaking okay continue golden brute breaking news we always interrupt for NFL and tonight is not an exception. That's crazy. Is there an equivalent of that in fantasy soccer? I think so, but you don't play head to head in fantasy soccer. So oh, right. I suppose. Right. right. There is like a cup. I, we don't need to go down this. Okay. Line. There is a possibility, but I don't know. Okay. So tears, I named my tears after American soccer players because of course I did. So the first tier is named after, it's the Josie Altidore tier. And it was named after Josie because this is the tier that when you first see these teams, they look 
amazing. Josie Altador looked amazing in his kit. He has a he has a lot of gifts, a lot of uh, ability on the pitch, but it never really worked out. And that's my fear with these teams: is they look amazing. They're they're fun to look at. They're fun to watch. Is it going to really work out for them in the long run, or am I investing in a team or in a player that is kind of fool's gold, like Josie Altador seemingly was? So in this tier are Leeds and Crystal Palace, both rated highly in Golden Boots, but I'm not sure that what I'm seeing is actually what I'm going to be getting for the future. Love it. Next tier. This is the Clint Dempsey tier. This tier is named after Clint Dempsey because this team who is in this tier is really quite solid. I'm not sure that on uh, their act that they're ever going to be the best player or the best team, but they're solid. They're fun to root for. Clint Dempsey was the funnest player I've ever rooted for on an American team. And this team is also fun to root for, but I'm not, I, I, I know it remains to be seen whether they're, they're going to actually get to an elite level. And that is wolves. I knew it. I love that. I will take a Clint Dempsey tier wolves team all day. It's a compliment. It, it is really a compliment. is a compliment. I, when you, when you named a tier after Clint Dempsey, I thought that's where wolves belong. <laughs> <laughs> the next tier down is going to be, the Captain America tier. Yes, Christian Pulisic gets his own tier. And the team in this tier is Chelsea, of course. So enough said, right? He gets his own tier. They have Christian Pulisic. He's amazing. Maybe you'll get you, to actually you, watch him play sometime. At some point. Allegedly, they have him. Allegedly, yeah. he's on their team. I've been told. We'll see if that's true. There are rumors. The next tier down. I named the Michael Bradley tier. This tier is named Michael Bradley because they have, these teams have the soccer pedigree, just like Michael did. Supposedly, they're supposed to be good because of that pedigree, but I never actually see them be good on the pitch. They have the name. They have the clout. Their dad keeps giving them playing time. But do they actually deliver? That would be Tottenham Hotspur and Man U. Sorry, Chris. Man U and the Michael Bradley tier. <laughs> Based on what you've seen this year, that is exactly where they belong. <laughs> the next tier and the last tier that I have so far, there's actually three teams in this tier. This is, here's a little blast from the past, the Brian McBride tier. <laughs> okay. Brian McBride. You've ever Brian McBride? You probably don't because he's very forgettable. But I remember him because he's he's perfectly fine. He was kind of like a perfect. He has a good name. It's all right. He looked good in his kit. I, was he good? I have no idea. It, was he memorable? I have no idea. But when I saw his name on a list of best American players, I said, oh, yeah, I remember Brian McBride. So these are just utterly forgettable teams that honestly, I don't have any negative things to say about them but also you just don't matter and that would be aston villa west brom and burnley so far i love it well done Kyle. well, well done. done well done we're i'm excited to see how that develops will be exciting to see if some teams move from some of those positions mm. as, the, as the season goes on you have an advantage that neither chris or i did i only did 20 20 episodes my first year. So I only watched each team. I only focused on each team once and then saw a handful of teams a couple times as the opponents. You're going to get to see yeah. every team twice more or less. Um, and, or even like towards the end, focus on a few teams that maybe are towards the top three or four times to try and make some dif differentiators. So Look forward to seeing how that how that plays out. Uh, what do you got for term of the week, Kyle? Term of the week? I'd like to learn more about shirt and kits. Okay. So we 
probably the simplest way to differentiate them is the shirt is the jersey or like the top of the uniform. Okay. So, um, so technically, and I never refer to mine as a sh- as a shirt because it feels mm-hmm. like too non-specific because my t-shirt's a shirt but my top the wolves shirts that chris and i and the manchester united shirt that he has that's the shirt that's the top the kit is like the full uniform which actually we both also have because we bought ours from china so (laughs) you won't i mean i mean we bought them Never mind. Um, online. Who cares where they came from? Who cares where they came from? So, uh, so we actually get, and we don't even get the full kit. I was disappointed. I thought maybe socks came with mine <laughs> as well. That would be like the full kit, the, the top, the, the shorts, the socks. Um, so they also, the kit can also, and I, I just learned this can also be referred to as a strip. Mm. a strip um i don't know where that necessarily comes from a couple other interesting things is traditionally the numbers worn by the team were only numbers one through 11 so um and they were your numbers were handed out based on the position you played so number one is traditionally your keeper number two three four maybe five or traditionally your, your defender numbers six through nine or kind of your midfielders. And then 10 and 11 would be uh, forwards or strikers. That's why those numbers tend to have a lot of value. So the 10, like when Pulisic got the, the number 10, that has a huge significance. Sometimes you'll, you'll hear, um, you'll hear uh, someone say, oh, we really need a, a like an attacking nine or we really need a nine. or And some of this stuff I'm still learning too. They have something called a false nine, which I, to be honest, I don't mm. even really know what that is. So you'll hear them refer to certain players by numbers or holes in a squad. Like, man, we really need a 10 or we really need a, a nine. Mm. Um, and that all refers to the, to the places they play on on the on the pitch and traditionally the numbers that they wear matched up with all those positions as the games evolved and especially as there's you know more bench players and guys coming on they needed higher numbers than that so then you get guys like Treore who's got 37 you know so so there it is kit shirt i know we probably use those interchangeably and not always not always the the proper way. Well, now when we get together for the Neophytes Derby in a few weeks, you all better wear your full kits because I now know what that is. I will not be wearing my full kit <laughs> to whatever. We may not even be able to go to a pub. We might actually have to put this on a TV outside and sit six feet apart and watch the match. Of course, yes. So we will obey safe social distancing. Of course. I was hoping we'd be able to go to a pub, but I'm not sure that's going to be happening. What are you talking about, man? On the 12th, we're all going and getting the vaccine. We're good. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah, we're <laughs> not going there. We're not going there. Um, one thing that we are noticing is a lot less goals. Kyle must not be watching as many matches. Uh we needed Kyle to watch that Arsenal Leeds match to get a good five, two game. But, uh, but there seemed to be one, one goal that stood out to all of us this week. Kyle, what, what did you have for that? Yeah, I had the goal by March. Yeah. Solly March. Solly March. And basically what it was, it was a pass across the field to the top of the box and he kind of just I don't even know how to describe it it wasn't a full kick he he kind of just poked it with but was able to get a lot of velocity in the ball and drilled it to the top of the net from the top of of the the box and it was it was a thing of beauty yeah 
I think we all kind of, I mean, most of the, the rest of the goals, certainly like you're scoring at the premier league level, um, great goals, but, uh, but that one, that one stood out. We did tease assist of the week. I want to give assist of the week to Robertson to Jota. It's just a beautiful, like perfect pass. Um, and Diogo Jota scoring his fourth goal in four home matches for Liverpool. So assist of the week to Robertson. Um, we also had a non-goal of the week, didn't we? <laughs> Again, for the second match week in a row. <laughs> Another non-goal of the week by Fulham. They love this category. They're owning it. And they had another opportunity, just as like last week, to tie the match late in the game with a penalty kick. And as they went up to score the goal on the penalty kick, the guy slips and airmails the kick 20 feet over the goal for a miss. And the lesson here is Fulham's best chance is just not to get penalty kicks. <laughs> They're the anti Man- Manchester United. They're the anti Manchester United. <laughs> yeah. Manchester United misses penalty kicks and then gets more chances. They're like, Oh, that guy left the line too soon. We'll give him another chance. They got to score somehow. <laughs> Fulham, they're like, we'll wet the area around the ball and see if this guy can even stand up while he kicks it. If if Fulham had Bruno, they they'd be at the top of the table. They get all these penalty kicks, he would convert them, and they'd be the best team in the world. <laughs> but alas, they're Fulham, and they lost again. They did. We had a couple red cards this week. Uh, one straight red, then uh, then my boy Lamptey uh, with two really poor tackles at the end of that match to get double yellow for his red card. Um, Chris, describe the the Pepe red card for us. Um, it was kind of like you aggressively walked into someone and looked down at the ground, didn't stop walking. And the guy you walked into fell over. <laughs> Probably the best way I could describe it. Uh, Kyle, you saw it too. Pretty, what do you, I mean, is that pretty accurate? That's, that's better than what I could come up with, but yeah, that's, that's exactly right. If you were walking swiftly down the street and bumped into somebody and they, and the guy fell over as if you hit him with your car. Yeah. It was basically the equivalent of the Anthony Martial bitch slap just with his head like he literally just put his head down and leaned forward as he walked i mean again it goes back to that it is what it is contact to the head you it was there it happened i don't apparently it doesn't matter how soft or how hard it is you're gone well what's funny to me is like i don't know why and i don't think it happens in other sports or it doesn't seem to happen as much in other sports but for some reason head headbutting maybe it's because you're not supposed to use your hands in soccer but like headbutting is such like a part of the game it seems like more guys get red cards for like leading with their head than anything else in in nba it's like you push someone you know yeah it's like a pushing fight you know Um, well like you said not only are you not supposed to use your hands when you're playing but you're actually trained to use your head for headers right so they're they're they may just, yeah, it may just be a natural thing. I like it. I'm going to incorporate heading people. <laughs> <in my laughs> and and not, to, not to go back to what we just talked about, but I've got uh, Fulham's missed goal kick on repeat right now, and I can't stop watching it. It's so good. I mean, it's been pretty two, two weeks in a row of really horrendous. <laughs> Penalty. We need a couple more and then we can post it on the Neophytes Twitter account and we'll go viral. Create a, a little montage. Yeah. Uh, Chris, who's in relegation watch? Yeah, you would want to know that. I do. Um, our bottom three are Fulham, West Brom, and Sheffield United. Um, 
the only one of those teams I believe has won a match this season is Fulham. West Brom and Sheffield United have not won anything, but uh, West Brom's drawn three times and Sheffield United's only drawn once. So your bottom three, it's pretty ugly down there. It's really ugly for Sheffield. I mean, after last season, I mean, they just had such a strong season. They're in Europa spot for a while. Um, obviously faded a little bit at the end, but really, really disappointing to see how Sheffield United has played this season. And um, well, We do need to give props to Burnley on their win today to get them out of that regulation. Yep. Yeah. Um, Burnley, that leads us right into our lock it in review where someone chose a relegated team to win. Um, and that was me. That was me. I, that game to me, I, I don't know a lot, obviously I'm still a neophyte, but that, that game to me, Burnley versus crystal palace felt like exactly how it ended up. Burnley would put on a defensive show and they'd figure out a way to score a goal. I assumed it would be towards the end of the match, but they scored at the beginning and then they could just sit back and just take all of crystal palace's pressure, which there really wasn't a ton of, um, Wolf Zaha was out. So that, that didn't help crystal palace, but crystal palace shows crystal palace really is similar to wolves in the way that sometimes they just look so brilliant. And then other times they just don't show up and, I've seen wolves do this against Burnley as well. And so this felt like exactly like what ended up happening. So. Yeah. We uh, got a thing in MMA that styles make fights. And I think that that just, it probably just folds down to all the sports though. But you know, that, that was a style matchup of a game for you to be able to pick and it just played out how you thought it would. So good job, man. Yep. Uh, Chris tried to help wolves by jinxing them. Um, What's that? I was close. You were close. You were close. They got the draw, but alas, no point for Chris there. Kyle got lucky that Fulham was out of relegation zone last week. Um, and so he got to pick against them again with Everton and maybe got lucky on a mixed missed penalty kick as well. And so um, Kyle hey, comes away. Not luck if it always happens. That's true. But Fulham's in relegation. So uh, who are you going to pick this week for your lock it in? Well, man, much respect to you for picking a, a team in the relegation zone to win. I'm not going to repeat that by trying to pick Fulham to win. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with one of the big dogs and pick Liverpool over Brighton and Hove Albion. Solid choice. Solid choice. Chris, who are you going with this week? Um, we're going against everything that I believe in. <laughs> there may be here, but I'm choosing Man United over Southampton um, because maybe it'll get Ole fired. I don't know. <laughs> um, I am after seeing Burnley uh, get me a win this week, I'm turning my back on them against <laughs> city mostly because I can't imagine uh, Pep losing two matches in a row. And so I think Pep will turn it around and city will beat Burnley this week. As for matches to, to watch, I think there's one that is clearly head and shoulders above the rest, but I'm going to talk about a different one than that. And I'm going to talk about the Hughes Derby this weekend, mm. Arsenal, uh, Wolves. Uh, I would say an early matchup that kind of matters for both those teams being mid table. It could propel one team uh, closer to the top six and leave the other team well behind. Uh, if one of them managed to pull off three points, uh, it's a, it's a mid midday Sunday match. So Titus and I will get to watch it together. Uh, so I'm excited. I'm excited for the Hughes Derby. That is my match of the week. Chris, who do you got the real match of the week? Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta come back to reality. Uh, 
Chelsea versus Spurs. It's it's the premier matchup, one versus three. Um, anytime the top clubs fight it out, it's a must watch. So that's your legit match of the week. But I will say that that Wolves Arsenal game is going to be interesting because uh, you know Arsenal started the year out pretty hot and they've become pretty not lately. And so it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of get out of their funk. We can be interesting to see if the Wolves can score two goals in a match. Um, so there's a lot there in that Wolves-Arsenal match that that is worth watching as well. Yeah, well, and I think the other, the other interesting factor of that is uh, I'm pretty sure Frank Lampard played under Jose when Jose was the manager of, of Chelsea. So, so that adds a whole nother little wrinkle to that, that match. And you have two of the teams that are playing some of the best football in the league. Um, and I think, yeah, that's, that's a must, that's a much must watch match. Kyle, what match are you watching and what team are you focusing on this week? So the last couple of weeks I've focused on some bigger clubs. And so this week I'm going to take a look at, a little bit smaller club, Brighton and Hove Albion versus Liverpool. And going to be specifically focused on BNHA, as I like to call them. As we all do. One thing I didn't ask, and I've never done the research to find out. So you're tasked with this. When I, when I featured Brighton, I didn't ask the most obvious question, and that is, what in the hell is Hove Albion when why are Brighton and Hove Albion together? <laughs> so you are tasked with finding out that answer. For and I, I like that task because if you know the actual name of West Brom, they're actually West Brom Albion as That's well. That's right. West Bromwich. West Bromwich. Albion. So what, so, what is, Al, what is an Albion? Is it a critter? <laughs> Is it a region? I definitely hope it's a thing. Like it's like a you know the boogeyman <laughs> wandering out in the woods in England. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't think it's any of that, but I'm excited to find out what it is, Kyle. Yes, I will report back. Great, good man. We we anxious anxiously await, and uh, with that, it's goodbye from Chris. Glazers out, boys. And goodbye from Kyle. See you. And goodbye from me. Peace.